0: I've also heard that English is impossible for people to learn because there's some funny YouTube videos where it's like what English sounds like to a non-English speaker and it just yeah. sounds like gibberish, which, yeah. is, which is really funny. Uh, also, the rules aren't consistent. Like English exactly. rules
1: aren't very consistent. So the unfortunate thing about English is that you leverage more of your experience to speak English versus like a rule, like a guiding rule. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard. Hey guys, welcome to Product Explained, a show where we talk about products and the company's history and strategy behind them. I'm your first host, Jeff Lee.
0: And I'm your co-host, Mike Alcazarín. Hola, jefe. ¿Qué tan bueno es tu español? Uh,
1: La biblioteca es en fuego? Um, Perfecto. Today's show we're talking about Duolingo, a language learning website and app.
0: And obviously Jeff has very rusty on his Spanish by his, by his answer. But Duolingo, for those of you who have not used it before, is a mobile app that helps you learn uh, to speak a new language. So for example, if I want to learn Spanish, uh, yo quiero aprender español, um, I'll open up the Duolingo app within my mobile phone and I'll see a skill tree of lessons, starting with the language basics. So this is like general phrases like colors or, you know rough directions it'll start leveling up to get to specific ones like travel or restaurants romance and, and and so on. I really like the romance one I think that's funny how it's so early on in the process of, of learning a language according to duolingo um, but I guess it makes sense if you've uh, you know started going to restaurants or you're traveling and out and about and you meet someone. But as a customer, the customer experience is you'll see different flashcards, multiple choice questions, and listening exercises to help you learn through uh, different phrases and different tidbits to to really start to ingrain yourself into the language learning process. There's also a community feature with Duolingo, so you can connect to social media accounts and also within Duolingo to see progress. So see if your friends are are learning and see if you have a daily streak that's happening and, and just generally see your progress. And my favorite feature is gamification. So I think Duolingo does a really good job of giving really good bite-sized learnings to help you level up along the mm-hmm. process and also make you feel like you're uh, leveling up in the process. And all of us, you know, I think maybe this goes back to we all grew up on video games. So we love to, you know, collect things and just start to level up. And it's a clear indicator of progress. And I think Duolingo does a really nice job um, of, of that, where you get little gems to help you. You're just earning gems <laughs> as you're going. I don't know what you're going to use the gems for, but but you have them, which is the well, you'll have them someday thing. to use them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, it's almost like who's done it anyway points. But um, Duolingo incents you to do daily streaks to just help this progress sticky, which is really interesting from a product perspective because you're just helping to, you know, increase the engagement of your product by in- essentially incentivizing your customers to, to keep using the app. So let's talk about the business model. How does Duolingo make money? And this is not a marketplace. I think this is one of the few software companies that we've done that is not. But I think Duolingo's business model is absolutely brilliant. They actually are essentially a mass translation service. So they actually take all the user data and aggregate translations and sell these to companies looking to translate articles. So imagine you are seeing something of like, you know, in Whatever language you're learning, let's just take Spanish to continue on the example. You'll see a, a bit of text from a newspaper as an example, and you'll be asked as one of the questions to um, to break that text down and translate that into English. And so they're taking all of the, like, the millions of users that use Duolingo to essentially sell that translation back to a company that's looking for it. I couldn't find any publicly available information on revenue, you know, Duolingo has been expanding like crazy and has been around for a while, as Jeff's going to mention. So it's been successful for them. They also have a a new shop or marketplace within the app that you can earn, buy and redeem those gems I was talking about. But I can't imagine that that is a huge source of revenue for, for Duolingo. Some of the things that you could use <laughs> with your gems, for example, was taking their mascot and putting clothes on the mascot solid exactly (laughs) i don't get it but i'm sure that our kids will i'm sure that'll be massive as we start to go into the future of digitized everything but yeah that's that's what duolingo is and how they make money
1: yeah it's funny because freemium is like typically a a gaming thing where you buy skins for the characters that you like to play a lot of and You'll spend the money there. Usually, for me, the um, the justification for why I'm spending the money is, you know, it's a free game. I don't mind sending a couple bucks to the developers, and then a few years later, I realize I've spent a couple hundred bucks <laughs> um, <laughs> on that game. Totally. Um, Mike, did you take any language classes in high school or in college?
0: Si, sí, español.
1: Oh, really? You took Spanish? Um, I-, I
0: did, but it was like I don't know not useful <laughs> like yeah i mean it was useful for the basics but i think like at the end of the day immersion is really what you really need to to learn a language
1: yeah so i took i think four years of spanish mostly because my friends were taking it at the time and i agree with you immersion is like really really important to learning a new language i also tried to take a mandarin course in college because it was like a four unit credit and i thought it was going to be easy a I was in there for like a week and I dropped out. Just for the folks at home, I-, I am Chinese, but I don't speak Mandarin and I speak Cantonese at home, but I can't read or write. So I thought, oh, this would be a good opportunity to learn Mandarin. I bought the book. Um, <laughs> I think I like, you know, wrote on one page of the book and, and then I quit the class because it was like nope. too many hours. <laughs> but yeah, I um, I remember, you know, doing everything in Spanish class from, you know, food days to watching Finding Nemo to we put together a, a Spanish wedding before. And like, we had to like put together invites and uh, I was officiating the wedding. Um, so I had like a Bible and like, I had like my notes in there that I was reading in Spanish. <laughs> but yeah, I do remember, you know, picking up a new language was, was totally fun.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, I, I, I took, I think seven or eight years. Cause it, we, like from fourth grade to eighth grade, Oh wow! it was, I went to a small private um, school and did Spanish all throughout that. Um, didn't really, I learned like the basics and I feel like I was just reiterating the basics the whole time. Mm -hmm. It was never like conversational. And then high school, I took it, I think for two or three years in -hmm. high school. And then I took one or two semesters of it in college. I think I took two semesters in college Mm. because I thought that it would be like an easy A, but it was actually super challenging because it was getting to more of the conversational and like your actual exams were like having conversations (laughs) with your professor. And that was really hard because it's like, you're not, it's so abstracted when you're learning you know, right. of just like little like bits and pieces of like, it's so formulaic, like one plus one is two, but it's really just more jazz, you know, like your things are going to come up in conversations. And yeah. I think what I've always struggled with from a language perspective is um, the ability to respond back because like I, I almost have to do a processing. I, mean, I, I just, yeah. it takes me so much longer to process where I'll hear someone say something. I know what they said, but... I don't know the words on how to respond back. So I must look like an absolute idiot <laughs> when I'm responding back. Yeah. And I, I think like I do a decent job of like the accents. So someone might think that I'm like more fluent than I am, but I'm just absolutely not. <laughs> oh, it's so,
1: funny. I never um, even thought about the accents because yeah, I have asked before what my Spanish sounds like. And they're like, oh, you can definitely tell that there's an accent. So in Spanish, at least like one of the first things that you learned is conjugation, which is like basically tenses. I'm And trying to take, like, a core verb and translating the tenses. And then from there, you, like, probably expand on the different verbs that you might know or use. And then you might also expand into, like, more difficult tenses, like past, present, etc. And then it also depends on who is the, the subject in the conversation. So if it's you or if it's a group of people... So number of people and also like the relation to you is also important in in conjugation. But yeah, I remember like it it was really difficult for me at first because I was like trying to conjugate things in my head before I answered. Um, And that was like always weird because it didn't feel like second nature. Like, you know, when you speak English, you don't think about, tenses or whatever you just kind of say what feels right because it's second nature to you totally um but with spanish it just felt like for a long time i was like trying to basically do some head math right and like yeah do I, which which word should i use it's not just about vocabulary but it's also about like proper sentence structure
0: and i think it's a whole other layer with at least with, with spanish or ro- romance languages is like Like conjugation is just, I mean, we don't really have that in in English language, like as in depth for like the verb, you know, subjects, like interaction. So I think to your point, it's just, yeah, a whole other elevation of mental math that you need to do to process from English to anywhere else. But I've also heard that English is impossible for people to learn because there's some funny YouTube videos where it's like what English sounds like to a non-English speaker. And it just sounds like gibberish, which is is really funny. Uh, Also, the rules aren't consistent. Like English rules
1: aren't very consistent. So the unfortunate thing about English is that you leverage more of your experience to speak English versus like a rule, like a guiding rule. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard because if you've never spoken English before, you're just having to like watch videos or like watch movies in English to kind of learn how other people speak English and you kind of emulate. Whereas other languages are r- more rule-based than than English. So like conjugation matters, like, you know, proper sentence structure matters, uh, things like that. Have you ever used Duolingo by any chance?
0: Yeah, I used it six years ago or... Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, Yeah, so I've been a member since 2012, and I I use it occasionally. I'm just terrible with remembering to do things on a consistent (laughs) basis. Yeah. Like, if something's not attached to me or I'm not getting paid to do it, it's really hard for me to remember to consistently do it. (laughs) Yeah. And... I've tried Duolingo a bunch of times to, to go through it. And I, I found it useful to practice and re- refresh. Like when I went to Costa Rica, mm-hmm. I opened it up and did it for like six, like not six months. <laughs> That'd be crazy. Two months straight. And then same thing for when I went to Mexico to just refresh my, my base level Spanish. Just so mm-hmm. I could not feel like a total, I, I like to learn a little bit of like phrases and, and language uh, yeah. as I'm talking to people. And then also when I was in grad school, I had a lot of Latin classmates, so I just wanted to learn some more phrases. But I I feel like I just learned so much more, just like shooting the breeze with them and and talking with them as opposed to with the app, because the app is just rehashing. It was more of like memory of all the things I learned in, you know, the four to six years, however many years of Spanish I took previously.
1: Yeah. Language learning is really weird. Uh, So... As I mentioned earlier, I speak Cantonese and I speak English. And I grew up in a Cantonese household where I'd speak Cantonese, but I didn't really have a lot of Cantonese speaking. When I say I don't have a lot of, I had none, Cantonese speaking (laughs) friends, like outside of family where I grew up. So a lot of times it felt like a second language, right? Like a secondary language, I mean. Uh, And when I went to grad school, which is in the Bay Area, there was a lot more Cantonese speaking folks, like even in my class. And so for fun, I was just like kind of listening in and like having conversations with them. And I thought that, you know, it's kind of neat to be able to like practice my Cantonese. And I got a lot better just by speaking with them and like hearing the words that they're saying and how they say them and realizing that there's like, you know, just by soaking up how people are pronouncing things, it made a big difference. Totally. Um, And then like context and all those different, you know, clues into learning languages. And funnily enough, I ended up marrying someone who's also a Cantonese speaker. So... It's like our way of like saying things out in public when we don't want to whisper or like we want to talk <laughs> about something that we don't want everyone to know about our business. It's like an this food like, is terrible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Stuff like that. But, it, but it's great. Like I think that I took it for granted knowing a second language until I was really able to use it. And I feel like I've improved my Cantonese so much in the past five years compared to like the prior 23 years. Well, that math doesn't add up, but <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess maybe since I learned to speak. Cool. Let's talk about the history of the product. So the concept was originally founded in 2009 at Carnegie Mellon by a professor, Louis Von Ahn, might be pronouncing that last name incorrectly, and um, Severin Hacker, which is a great name, who was his postgrad student. So Ahn had actually sold another company, which you probably have heard of, which is called ReCAPTCHA, and he sold that company to Google. Um, And wanted to pivot to something else in education. Nice. So reCAPTCHA, if you're not aware, is just a way, it's like a security, I guess, like protocol standard to be able to identify if somebody that's trying to log into a system is a person or a machine. I Um,
0: am a robot.
1: (laughs) And like reCAPTCHA is really weird. Like you look at a bunch of letters and it's like an image and you try to type out what you think are the letters. And I guess like from your best guess, it'll determine whether or not you've passed the bar for being a human.
0: What's well, interesting because it's the same business model for Recaptcha that Duolingo uses. So Recaptcha was translating, or it was basically scanning in text and having that being translated directly to a single language, and then Duolingo now does that for other languages. So before, Uh, like like the New York Times was scanning in, you know, old school newspapers, they needed to like find a way to translate all of that. So that recapture was an early way for, I think, to train the machine learning and to train the algorithms to be able to capture text.
1: Mm, Interesting. Yeah, I I, I didn't even think about the parallels there, but that, that makes a lot of sense. So An was brought up in Guatemala, and he realized how expensive it was for people to learn English. And that was one of the main reasons why he decided to Move into ed tech or I guess language tech, if that's considered a, a subcategory or sub industry. Aside from the language learning side of the business, Duolingo did originally charge companies for translation services, like you're mentioning, Mike, um, but it said in the article that they stopped doing that. But I don't know if they like pivoted to something else completely and focused just on this like learning, you know, consumer based app. In 2012, they had released their iOS and Android app initially. And they saw some pretty incredible success from the get-go. In 2013, they had about 5 million users, and they're the number one free education app in the App Store. By 2017, they raised a total funding of $108 million through through Kleiner Caulfield and Byers, Google Capital, and Drive Capital. By 2018, they had 300 million total users. By 2019, they raised a Series F of $30 million from Capital G, which was Alphabet's investment company, which, by the way, is a great investment name. I was just going to say, it's awesome, awesome Great venture capital name, yeah. (laughs) And their total valuation at the time was $1.5 billion with 30 million monthly active users. They recently IPO'd in June of 2021, and I think they filed on NASDAQ. And then lastly, there's a section here that I want to cover on criticism and pop culture. So we'll start with criticism. Folks in general have really challenge whether or not Duolingo can help people effectively learn a new language. Like you mentioned, Mike, immersion is a critical part of language (laughs) learning. Me moving to an area where I can talk to people on my daily life uh, or, you know, people say that they learn the language really quickly if they spend a semester abroad and they have to actually figure out how to use this language to be able to live in a country or even just something as simple as like watching a movie that gives you context plus conversation that helps you learn the language a lot faster. So about six months after learning French on Duolingo, On, the CEO apparently demonstrated a lack of basic verb tenses when asked to describe his weekend in French, which is pretty bad PR. That's super
0: interesting because like he was, I'm assuming from Guatemala, he's a Spanish speaker and it's so similar, like like the verb tenses in in French. So that's 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 another Latin language, right? So yeah, yeah,
1: it's, it's, yeah, it is surprising. Um, Bob Meese, the chief revenue officer, didn't understand the question, habla espanol, after six months of learning Spanish on the platform, which is pretty oh, bad. That's it really seems bad. like something you would learn <laughs> in the first week. But yeah, other criticisms are just that there's a claim by Duolingo that 34 hours of Duolingo is equivalent to a full university semester of language education, which is a pretty bold claim. So this <laughs> professor from San Diego State University learned a new language in swedish and then tried to take a standardized exam for elementary school kids and he received a failing grade so that didn't bode very well in pop culture there was a meme going around because the mascot of duolingo which is this green owl that you get push notifications from duo that's like hey did you like check into the app today and it's a little invasive apparently and there were memes of this mascot stalking people and like at- threatening users if they didn't come back to the app and like do their Duolingos for the day or whatever. So I think it's really funny. Um, you know, obviously a lot of the times when it comes to these consumer apps, they're trying to build a behavior uh, and they're trying to get retention through habit. But sometimes people go too far. And so push notifications, they can be really annoying and they can be a nuisance and then people can get really frustrated. But Duolingo acknowledged a meme and they published a video on April Fool's Day in 2019 and they depicted a new feature called Duolingo Push, quote unquote, <laughs> where they would remind users by Duo himself. It was a person dressed up as Duo and they would watch the user in person, I guess, until they actually opened the app and did their you know, their language activities for the day.
0: I love that. that's so funny. I, I haven't seen that. I think uh, the closest thing I've seen is SNL did a skit. Jeff, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's uh, a skit on a language learning app that I can't remember what the name is for, but it's basically like how to communicate to to kids. So it's like this, like whole skit where it's like a bunch of like early 30s, like mid 30s parents, uh-huh. and one of them has a kid and one of them doesn't, and it's like, do you feel uncomfortable talking to your your friends' kids? And it's like, yeah, and it's like all these like phrases on how to like be a good like but good communicator, and it's like high fives and like ga- gamify the process, and like <laughs> ultimately it ends with like them like having a successful like becoming like giving like a fist bump to like the kid at the end after he says like. Cool backpack, you know, it's like <laughs> things like that. So yeah, I love that it's like it's not like in, in pop culture, and I imagine a lot of folks have used uh, Duolingo, which is, is a good transition actually, because a lot of people are using Duolingo um, because Duolingo is for people that are looking to to speak and learn new new languages, and it's a global problem, as you could imagine. In the U.S., I think that English is definitely you know you can get by with never talking or needing to go outside of your comfort zone with English, but I think. And that's just a function of like the US's borders of being so big. Like we're such mm-hmm. a big country, like physically. But if you go somewhere like like Europe, uh, for example, it's a lot more condensed. And you might need to like pick up like a Belgian or like if you're English or German or like, any of the romance languages, there's just so much of an opportunity for you to, you know, go across the border. It's just tighter. I mean, imagine if like all the different United States spoke different languages. You'd have to, you'd have to learn. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. But, Duolingo has had massive success with this. Over 500 million total users is what Duolingo currently lists on their website for how many people are currently using Duolingo, with 40 million of those being monthly active users, which is a really good metric. I think it's about 10% of your total users are active. It's pretty telling for their gamification feature that Jeff and I have both, both talked about. I wanted to talk a little bit about an interesting 2019 New York Times article titled 500 Days of Duolingo, What You Can and Cannot Learn from a Language App. I thought it was a really fantastic breakdown of the app. Um, specifically, I really liked What You Can't Do. And this is mm-hmm. goes back to like the criticism, looking critically at, at Duolingo yeah. and what it's doing. But the article mentioned the limitations of Duolingo and they use something called the Common European Framework of Reference for Languages, or CEFR, which is, I I, don't, I had no idea this exists, but yeah. it's just I a good way a to- standard. Exactly, to judge you on how you're doing with your languages. But it essentially breaks um, into th- six levels. Uh, a1 a2 b1 b2 c1 and c2 with a1 being a super beginner for example an a1 learner knows the basic phrases they can introduce themselves and ask simple questions um, a2 will be able to understand common expressions communicate about routine tasks basically where i feel like i am with my spanish after six years of, of learning b1 and b2 is like a little bit more complex uh, with b2 a level b2 person you should be able to communicate with a native speaker of a language with without straining and potentially start to have complex technical discussions. And then the C level is just like being able to communicate flexibly in a social, professional or any academic setting. And then C2 is just essentially your. are uh, Almost at the equivalent of a native speaker. So they call that the proficient stage. And this New York Times article, the whole thesis was that Duolingo is not going to get you to, to the C level. It's just pretty essentially impossible without immersion. Like you're going to need to like immerse yourself into, into languages and to really get that. So they, they call Duolingo really a jumping off point, which I think is a really good way to, to frame. And even for positioning for Duolingo, like I think Duolingo must know that they're not necessarily going to get to, to, to level you know, see from where they currently are. So I'm just thinking of putting my If I was, you know, a product manager within Duolingo, I would start to think about features that could get users to that C level. I don't know what that would be. It might even be something like actual conversations with the community. Maybe we'll eventually see a feature like that where you can, you know, pop open the app and actually have a conversation with someone in Spanish, uh, a native speaker or something like that. Mm. Yeah. So I I think there's a lot of opportunity for for Duolingo there to to keep growing and 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 improving. And they've had so much traction thus far.
1: Yeah. I wonder if the difficulty is that people learn really differently and so it's hard to like build a standardized consumer app that's supposed to be a one size fits all and then get people to the next level for everyone to you know be able to be fluent just using an app. I mean, it's not a problem that only Duolingo is facing. There's other apps that are struggling to teach a very difficult concept and break it down and gamify it through an app, right? I think this yeah. is the only time uh, or instance that this this happens and this is why you can't just rely on an app versus going to, let's say, like medical school. If you wanted to be a doctor, right? Like you, you can teach some of the basics, but and it, it is more of a jump off point than anything.
0: Just re- real quick. I also wonder if we'll ever even need, it, it, I guess, like if we'll need to ever, sorry. I also wonder if we're going to actually need learning apps like this in the future. Like maybe we'll mm-hmm. just get to a point where you put something over your mouth and it instantly translates translates it back. I know yeah. like Google Translate, for example, has an, a fantastic app, Google Translate, where you can just scan text in and it automatically translates it for you. So I feel like you can be super lazy now, much, more much lazier now when you're traveling abroad than than you could have been previously.
1: There was hardware too, that you, I think it was earbuds yep. that could listen into people and then translate it back to you um, using natural language processing and some sort of translator. So yeah, I, there's definitely options in the future for how to translate um, language, which is, I think is pretty incredible, especially as we think about people transcending borders and like working with people in global um, companies and working across different time zones. And eventually more and more people are going to need to learn more different languages. So I think it's pretty incredible. Let's talk about competitors. So, you know, Duolingo is probably the king in this space around like app learning, but there's a couple other ones. There's Memorize there's babble. There's a throwback that I listed here, Rosetta Stone, which... Ooh,
0: Rosetta Stone.
1: Back in the day, um, Rosetta Stone was basically like a series of disks that you can buy and put in your computer and learn new languages. It's usually like hundreds of hours of content. So definitely not as easy as an app, but it was supposed to be more accessible than like getting a language instructor or having a tutor or something like that. And then the lastly is like language immersion, Uh, which obviously is like just throwing yourself in another company or like a situation where you need to learn the language to be able to survive. Um, You know, a lot of first generation immigrants, they do that. They come over to the US and they have to learn English or vice versa. I think it's really interesting or mind blowing to me to see, for example, I've watched like YouTube videos of folks that are like native Chinese speakers that moved to let's say Mexico and started businesses there. And so they speak Spanish as well as, as Chinese. And yeah, it's just crazy. Like you when you throw people into these situations, they like are forced to learn the language and they kind of do their best to like, learn a second language, which is incredible. Have you heard of the phrase or the term a polyglot?
0: Yes. I only know that because my friend Kelly had that on her Instagram and I had no idea what that meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I do. It's it's someone that speaks multiple languages, right? Yeah, and, yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. And they also call them like language hackers. There's a guy on YouTube, his name is like Xiaoma NYC. So he lives in New York City. He's this white guy who uh-huh. um, speaks like extremely fluent Mandarin and he goes into love shops this. and like. I <laughs> love to that him. dude. But he is incredible. He speaks not only Mandarin, but he speaks Cantonese. He speaks a couple different, like very like uncommon dialects of Chinese. And he's also learned other languages too. So it's not just Chinese that he's good at. I think Chinese is his primary like learned language because I think he spent some time in Beijing, but it's pretty incredible to watch him speak like fluid like Chinese. It's better than the Chinese that my parents speak, so um, <laughs> it's it's pretty nuts. Well,
0: it's it's so funny like watching his videos are, is so funny because he'll go into a restaurant, yeah, and just like order something in, you know. He, he's is he speaking mandarin or cantonese
1: he usually speaks mandarin sometimes he does cantonese videos yeah.
0: and i love like where he like he knows where like where the restaurant is and the dialect is yeah so he'll actually even do it like a ch- changes accent to make yeah. sure it it fits so it's it is really incredible to watch like i, I obviously like maybe not obviously but i, I don't speak cantonese or <laughs> mandarin so it's, I, I don't understand it but just seeing the faces and reaction of like the restaurant owners that are like, like, what is this white person doing?
1: They always um, say like, oh, your your Chinese is so good. Where did you learn it? Exactly. Yours is better than mine. You know, it's, it's great. Cool. Let's talk about our thoughts about Duolingo. As someone who has like attempted to learn languages in the past, I think the concept is incredible. I think that it's really good to, in a lot of ways, like democratize language learning by making an app out of it and making it free to use and then incentivizing people to continue learning their language via gamification. Obviously, there's some pitfalls and some criticisms around like how far you can get with uh, this language learning app. But I think if you manage your expectations and you think of it as like, this is a good way to get started um, in learning some key phrases, some verbs, some nouns, etc., and figuring out how this can help you towards your journey into learning a new language, I think it's a great start. I, I really like the idea. I like the concept. I am curious about, how far Duolingo is going to get us in terms of like learning languages if we do have another means to translating in the future. Like you said, either something like a phone app like Google Translate or like a hardware piece that uses NLP to you know actively translate it and read it back to you. There's obviously the concern there. But overall, I think Duolingo is a really cool product. I think I'm going to give it a 4.0.
0: Nice. So I was also going to give this a four star on the <laughs> on, on the money. So I'll I'll hundred percent agree with you on the on the four star rating there for for very similar reasons. Like I think it's like probably close to like a 4.8, 49 star product for just jumping off. You know, like if you've never you know mm. tried to attempt to speak a language, it's going to give you some really good basics and kind of get you up to speed super quickly and in a fun and engaging way. So I like that, but it is missing like that. If you truly want to become a speaker, like you're going to have to, you know, hire like a language coach yeah, to just talk to else. you. Yeah. yeah or, or just go to that place, you know? So <laughs> I, I think and just, you know, b- you know, jump out of the, the airplane and start building the parachute on the way down. I think that's going to be the best way you're going <laughs> to learn, learn a language. So yeah, like, I think it's a four-star product. You know, I've tried it with um, Tagalog because i you know, my dad's from the Philippines and I wanted to start to learn some basic words. So I have explored that. And it's actually helped me connect with him a little bit more of just was like trying to... no <laughs> <laughs> T- typical Asian father, just not, not impressed. Like, why aren't you, why, why aren't you fluent yet? <laughs> um, but it, it, it was fun to, uh, um, you know, get those like anecdotes from, or just, so just share those anecdotes with, with, with my dad. And then, yeah, I've tried it with, like I mentioned earlier, like with Spanish, just to, to refresh before I went to a, a Spanish speaking country. So, yeah, those are our thoughts on Duolingo, and we'd love to hear from you, our audience. We always love to go through our Instagram comments or our stories and all the folks that are engaging with us, so, so thank you for that. So uh, definitely reach out to us. You can find us on in both Instagram and Twitter at ProdXPodcast, that's P-R-O-D-E-X Podcast.
1: Yeah, and if you like the show, be sure to like us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., and let us know what products we should review next.